Lake Huron rolls, Superior sings in the rooms of her ice water mansion. Old Michigan steams like a young man's dreams. The islands and bays are for sportsmen. And farther below, Lake Ontario takes in what Lake Erie can send her. And the iron boats go as the mariners all know what the gales of November remembered. This is verse 6 of Gordon Lightfoot's The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald from 1976. It's on topic tonight because we're taking you on a tour of the haunted Great Lakes of the United States. Our first stop is highlighting the ghost ships that are said to set sail and still be seen, mostly along Lake Michigan this time. And Jen recounts the haunted history of Cedar Point on the coast of Lake Erie. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hometown Haunts Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Cloco, and along with me on this endeavor into the endless mysteries from around the world are my friends, Christina Wald and Jen Kohler. Hey! Hello! Hello! We got a... I almost said an ocean-going episode tonight, but <laughs> the Great Lakes are like the seas, so this yeah. is a... It'll be cold and uh, creepy, basically, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, some news. I kind of uh, wish you'd sung the beginning scene. No, <laughs> I sound like Muttley from Wacky Races because I still. No, you could have have the slow, gravelly, sexy voice today. <laughs> Is it? Does it sound gravelly and sexy today? It does. Oh, it's like those <laughs> old seventies AOR DJs that oh like smoked goodness. a pack of cigarettes a day. You know, it's like the Lila after dark. Exactly, exactly. Oh man, I did not know that. I, I although I can hear myself, I just that didn't click. But thank you, Christina. <laughs> I'm I'm glad I sound like a sexy radio DJ. Yeah, well you yeah, you mentioned a song from the 70s, so yeah. we're gonna spin a couple of I got the shag hair back. I know we're, gonna, we're so. about to spin a little vinyl from it, yeah. <laughs> you should uh, try doing a uh, an intro. Yeah, <coughs> try doing a song intro. I'm not going to do the song yeah, intro. Darn it. <laughs> You're too busy coughing. I'm too busy coughing. For all our listeners, um, I'm recovering from bronchitis. I had it last week as well, but I'm slowly getting better. Um, modern medicine, yay. Inhalers, woohoo. Um, it's been fun. Anyway, first our new first our news. Uh, you can join us at the Frogman Festival in, on March 2nd in Loveland, Ohio. We will be at the Oasis Convention Center in Loveland, Ohio. And it's the second, almost said season. No, I've watched too much TV. It is the second (laughs) annual uh, Frogman Festival. And we'll be debuting our brand new comic book, Frogman Funnies, uh, written and um, put together by Tim Fuller. So you would recognize the name because he works on the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities comic book series. And then on April 27th of this year, I'll be at the Alaska Robotics Minicon in Juneau, Alaska. And man, oh man, Juneau loves our comics. And a lot of Midwesterners have relocated to Juneau. Like there were so many people that were from Kentucky that I met last year and were just excited to see content from Kentucky 
all the way up in Alaska. That's so, cool. Yeah, yeah. The amount of Midwesterners that I have met here in the Pacific Northwest in Alaska is bananas. I I don't know how we all end up here. Like our comic or our drawing group that we have here, um, every single one of us is from a different state in the Midwest. Like we have I think Missouri. it's you crave different natural beauty, maybe. Maybe it gets so flat in the Midwest in parts. <laughs> it does. And gray. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I love you, Cincinnati, but you're very gray in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Very, very gray. Yes. And here, I mean, it rains all the time, but everything's still green. Mm, so, yeah. but we still color. do have kind of like mosquitoes out no matter what time of year it is. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> They're just kind of slow and dumb. I don't so. know. I have a theory that everybody's been to Ohio and passed through. Cause like the last couple of days, like I keep running into people that are saying that say, Oh, I lived in Cincinnati for a while and then I moved. Yeah. Yeah. I meet so, a lot. Of, I meet a lot of people like that too. It's either Cincinnati or Columbus. Yes, yeah, yeah. Sort of. It's sort of a nexus. Yeah. yeah. And once in a while, you get that rare person who was from Toledo. <laughs> so. <laughs> At any rate, exactly. um, and our <laughs> other big news is our next episode is the big one zero zero. Woohoo! Woo! One hundred episodes. We've Yay! made it. Well, we almost made it. Made it. We could almost go to syndication. Um, <laughs> and we're, of course, asking for you, all of our wonderful listeners, to send us your ghost stories, creepy cryptid tales, and urban legends from your neck of the woods to share on the podcast. If you would like to, please send them to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. And we will read them on a maximized episode because we are doing the most requested deep dive topic, Bobby Mackey's Music World. Wow. It's going to be extra. Yay. Should I have like sparklers or some kind of glowing tiara for next week? I think so. But does that work with Bobby Mackey's? I mean, that's music performers and stuff. Well, we, I'm not we going to fill this room hats. up with tobacco. Oh, that's true. Cowboy hats. hats. I can't talk. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've peanuts been and cowboy hats. Cow- I've been drawing a lot of cowboy hat cats because I've been working on a... Uh, a book about a little cowgirl going to the rodeo. So I've been drawing lots mm-hmm. of horses, cowboy hats, and people doing very complex uh, rodeo stuff. Ooh, that yeah. sounds fun. Yeah, you know that's. I, the, I have the, a tiara I can wear. I, I don't. I don't have any. I have. I have my cool new hat I got, at, but it doesn't really match a cowboy hat for Bobby Mackey. So, but I got it at art fair. I guess what I'm going to need is the fog machine. Yes, because Fog machine would be cool. When I'm, when I'm there, it was just filled with cigarette smoke. Oh yeah, because it's so, so Kentucky. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can so still smoke just, indoors there. Yeah, did I don't still know. Smoke there, or did they finally pass a law to stop it? I don't know. It's been a while since I've been to a bar over there. Yeah, I don't know, though, Bobby. The, it will be. It's by far our most requested episode. And yeah. even at live events, people would, were asking for Bobby Mackey's. So yeah. we will deep dive into it. Yeah, finally. All right. With all that said, shall we get into episode? Yes. All right. So I am covering Great Lakes Ghost Ships, which is a topic I wanted to talk about for a while because it's, it's near and dear to my heart. 
um, being somebody who grew up along the Great Lakes. So sources for tonight's show is Wikipedia, Ghosts and Legends of Michigan's West Coast by Amber Rose Hammond, Weird Michigan by Linda Godfrey. Oh, R.I.P. Linda. She was wonderful. Ghosts of the Great Lakes by Megan Long and Mysterious Shipwreck of the Le Griffon by Expedition Unknown. And that is the only time I will try to say it like I'm French because I can't. So the Great Lakes are a series of interconnected freshwater lakes that connect to the Atlantic Ocean via the St. Lawrence River and are the largest freshwater lakes on Earth, containing 21% of the Earth's surface freshwater by volume. They are made up of five lakes, Superior, Michigan, Erie, Huron, and Ontario, with Michigan and Huron being one large body of water joined at the Straits of Mackinac. So, if you grew up in the upper Midwest, where any of those lakes are, or Canada, you know that by heart because they drill it into you in Earth Space Science class. <laughs> That's just a fun note from a Michigander, kind of. Water travel by boats and humans has taken place there since 10,000 BC by several Native American cultures. The ship Le Griffon, or the Griffin, was the first European ship to explore the Great Lakes in 16. 79. She was also the first European shipwreck that same year. <laughs> Sinking with all hands on board in a storm while on a fur trading expedition from Green Bay, Wisconsin to Mishamackinac, current day Mackinac Island. The Griffin's shipwreck was found, well, was said to be found in 2004, but we'll get into that in a little bit. The shipwreck did not stop the inland European explorers, especially British, American, and French fur traders. After the War of 1812 and the Rush-Bagat Treaty was signed, British and American Coast Guard and the Navy vessels were patrolling the Great Lakes, and they were all disarmed at that time. There are more than 6,000 shipwrecks resulting in more than 30,000 deaths recorded in the Great Lakes. It is not surprising a few have broken through the bounds of history to become ghost stories. And I'm sharing two ghost stories of ghost ships on the Great Lakes because there are too dang many and we'll need to do uh, more episodes to cover some more. So the first one is Le Griffon, the Griffin. As mentioned earlier, the first European vessel to tra traverse the Great Lakes was the 1679 Le Griffon, captained by French explorer. Okay, hold on to your seats, everyone. Cat has to speak French. Rene Robert Caverser de La Salle. We'll just call him La Salle and his ship, the Griffin, because I'm not saying that name every single time. The Griffin was enormous for the time. At 60 feet long, she was dwarfed. She dwarfed the canoes and dinghies used at the Great Lakes at the time. The Griffin was built in a shipyard located at the mouth of the Cayuga Creek and Niagara River in Canada. In August of 1679, the La Salle recorded to say, High above the Black Crows shall the gallant Griffin soar, as the boat was launched and their exploration commenced. And I may say LaSalle or the LaSalle because there's LaSalle High School in my neighborhood and it was and, and it's named after him, like a lot of stuff in Indiana and Illinois. So anyway, if I say any mistakes, that's why. There's a LaSalle High School in Cincinnati too, that's like less than a mile from my house. Well, it's about there, a mile and a half. Yeah, there's a lot. It's it's surprising and you don't really realize it until you start 
reading about the history of the Great Lake Midwest states, and you're like, wow, there's a lot of French people here. So, and they were all fur traders and all the poor beavers that are no longer with us. Anyway, I digress. There were 32 men on board the Griffin as it was as it headed to Green Bay, Wisconsin, including the ship's uh, chronicler, Friar Louis Hennepin. They met with near-disaster sailing out of Lake Erie, nearly running into the Long Point Sand Cape during a dense fog along the coast of Ontario, Canada. They managed to dodge hitting the cape because they could hear the sound of rippling water in the middle of the Great Lake. So they managed to steer themselves the opposite direction of that rippling water, and they did not hit the sandbar. And it's a really big sandbar. It's actually closer to where they uh, departed port than actually the end of Lake Erie, where it would go up into the other Great Lakes uh, by Toledo, the second name drop of that city today. The Griffin made its way to Green Bay, making a brief stop at Michigan, Michigan. This made the Griffin the first ship to ever sail on Lake Erie, Lake Huron, and Lake Michigan. Once in Green Bay, the Griffin was loaded up with beaver belts, which would be used to pay off the many creditors LaSalle had accumulated to build the Griffin. He then instructed his second-in-command, Luke the Dane, to sail the ship back to... Uh, I <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I just stumbled over this. Um, Niagara, just like Niagara Falls. I don't know why I stumbled over that. Niagara, where his creditors were all waiting. And they were really waiting for him to get back there with all the beaver pelts. After that, Luke was to sail back to Green Bay with the materials to build a second ship for LaSalle. Luke was exceedingly tall and uh, was built like a refrigerator and a bit hostile to his crew and to LaSalle. And it made sense because LaSalle owed him over a year's back pay for all the sailing that this man had done. Luke took, Luke took, took charge of the Griffin and five crew members sailed out of port of Green Bay on September 18th, 1679. LaSalle, thinking that this would be a quick trip for the 17th century standards, made his way to Peoria, Illinois, where he intended to build his next ship and then explore the Mississippi River. What happened after Luke and the Griffin embarked for uh, Niagara, I don't know why I keep stumbling over this, everyone take a drink, uh, it becomes legend. We, What we do know is that they never made it back. They didn't even make it to the Straits of Mackinac before disappearing forever on Lake Michigan. Some theories is that the crew stole the beaver pelts and sunk the griffin on their own. This is the story that LaSalle believed and told a lot of people. Other stories blamed the disappearance on a band of Potawatomi or Ottawa uh, indigenous people and other fur traders or even the Jesuits. So, it, lots of made-up enemies here. LaSalle collected stories from travelers and sailors for years following the disappearance of the Griffin. Some Potawatomi band members who had seen the Griffin anchored off the coast of northern Lake Michigan two days after leaving Green Bay. Another native man had reported to LaSalle that five men were rumored to have been captured canoeing down the Mississippi hauling a large amount of goods. Four of the men were killed while man fitting the description of Luke the Dane was spared. LaSalle suspected that they were trying to make their way to the French explorer Grey Solon 
in order to trade the furs plundered from the griffin. There are, of course, reports of the griffin still sailing over the waves of Lake Michigan, 345 years after its mysterious disappearance. Most often, vessels sailing into northern Lake Michigan have witnessed a French ship cross their path with all of her sails set, but making little to no noise as if uh, it's just a memory floating over the waves. There have been rumors of shipwrecks found thought to be the griffin. Two have stood out to be the most credible. The first is located off Russell Island in Lake Huron. When it was discovered in 1955, the wreck was still in decent shape. Did you hear the buzzing? Okay. The ship size and shape fitted fit that of the Griffin's description, and the hand hand hammered bolts fit the age of the boats fashioned or the bolts that were fashioned in the boat in the late 17th century. The second wreck was located at the western end of Manitoline Island, also in Lake Huron. Local legend on the island recalls a terrible shipwreck off the western coast, with the early islanders. Uh, pillaging the wreckage for its iron bolts and lead caulking. Experts were able to look over the iron bolts and caulking and confirmed it matched the age of the griffin. However, there was more to the story. Shortly before the end of the 19th century, Mississippi Strait lightkeeper William Collis and his assistant John Holdsworth made a grisly discovery on the island. When combing the shoreline for trees to build a new boat spar, they came upon a white rabbit who then quickly darted back into the underbrush. Curious, the men followed the rabbit into what turned out to be a hidden cave. Inside, they were shocked to discover six skeletons surrounded by buttons and trinkets. One of the skeletons was of extraordinary size, and the jawbone could easily be put over your own jawbone. I can only imagine these two like taking this jawbone and just like putting it on like it's a weird beard and going, hey, hey look at me. Ew. It was thought that the it was the bones of Luke the Dane. As of this writing, none of the reported wrecks have been proven to be the Griffin. So the eerie French bark must continue her haunting route through Lake Michigan. So that's the first ghost story, which I learned about as a kid. Uh, it's not the most common ghost story told about Lake Michigan, but uh, that or, or ghost ship story in Lake Michigan, but it is really far north at the tip of Michigan, almost to um, well, it's Mackinac Island, so that's mm. really up there. So the second ghost story I have is Ironsides. Have you ever heard of Ironsides? Mm-mm. No. So this is another ghost story from Lake Michigan. Ironside's t- tale centers around Grave Grand Haven, Michigan. So that's just north of Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and directly across Lake Michigan from, from Milwaukee. Okay. So the Ironsides launched on July 23rd, 1864 in Cleveland, Ohio, and featured twin black smokestacks and white painted woodwork. She was a graceful passenger steamer operated by the Lake Superior Line. With 44 staterooms, she was a comfortable way to travel along the Great Lakes at the time. In 1873, she was given a complete inspection, and anything that was amiss was repaired or replaced. Although she was considered in excellent shape, she did have some phantom leaks that worried the crew that year. On September 15, 1873, she was making her way to Grand Haven's port 
when a pleasant summertime breeze turned into a stormy gale uh, over the lake the waves of Lake Michigan. Captain Harry Sweetman tried to navigate the steamer towards port through the winds, but ran aground a couple of times, resulting to a large hole being made in the hull and taking on water. Uh, if the water coming in extinguished the boiler's fires, it would leave the ship unable to steer out of the storm and basically floating and bobbing and slowly sinking in Lake Michigan. At 11 a.m. on September 16th, the, five, the ship's five lifeboats were dropped in an attempt to escape the sinking ship. Captain Sweetman remained on the ship, making sure his passengers and crew were safely on lifeboats. Sadly, only two of the five lifeboats made it to shore. It is estimated that 20 to 30 people lost their, li their lives that day. And we only have an estimate because they didn't keep the best records on who was on board at the time. Wreckage, debris, and bodies washed ashore Grand Haven's beach over the course of the next few days. Bodies were moved and stored over ice at the D&M Railway Department, currently, currently one of the Tri-Cities Historical Museums. The sinking of the Ironsides seems to replay itself as a ghostly residual haunting, reminding people of how treacherous Lake Michigan's waters can be. On one such experience, it was an entire U.S. Coast Guard ship and her crew that had the experience. On August 6, 2000, the U.S. Coast Guard icebreaker Mackinac was leaving the annual Grand Haven Coast Guard Festival. As the Mackinac was leaving port, an eerie fog rolled in and around the ship. One of the crewmen on board suddenly heard the sound of a distressed young boy calling out for help in the lapping waves. The crew all heard the cries, but as they tried as try as they might, they could not find where they were coming from. They radioed back to Grand Haven for a search party while the Coast Guard would continue to search. They asked passing boaters if they had heard or seen anything. Alas, they had not. As an ex <clears throat> as an exhaustive search and uh, and after contacting law enforcement to check if there was any falls from the pier or missing children, they discovered there were no reports of endangered children or bodies being found. It was reported that the Mackinac was sailing in the area near the Ironsides wreckage site. There is news reports by the New York Times on September 16, 1873, that describes one of the victims of the disaster as a young boy. It reads, the little boy of Mrs. Valentine, whose body came ashore, was dressed in a sailor suit of blue, had light hair and blue eyes, and beautiful features, with the exception of paleness to the face, looked as if he had dropped quietly to his sleep. It was a scene that would have touched the hardest heart to see the sorrow-stricken husband and father who arrived from Milwaukee this morning when he realized that his wife and little boy and knew that his whole family had been so suddenly taken from him forever. The family is that of Henry Valentine, a clerk from Eagleman Transport, and his wife was Nettie Valentine. Their son was also named Henry, so Henry Jr. It was young Henry and his mother who perished when their lifeboat capsized that night. Up until 1966, the true location of where the Ironsides sank was a mystery until it was discovered that year. Now it has been marked as a protected historical dive site and considered an advanced dive for scuba divers. So it is a protected area in Lake Michigan, and you cannot boat to it. You must scuba.
So um, apparently I missed part of the ghost story. Many people believe that it's young Henry Jr. that was calling to the Coast Guard ship that night. And it fits the description of roughly the tone of voice that they heard and roughly the time of night when the ship would have gone down. So those are two ghost stories out of many of the Great Lakes. Thoughts? That's creepy, man. That one is particularly creepy, especially yeah. since we know who the Valentines were and that Mr. Valentine, Henry Sr., had sent his wife and his son to go to Grand Haven to have some fun over the weekend no. and thought, hey, it's just a jaunty uh, boat ride across the lake. And at the time when it went down in September, the lake is generally pretty calm. Mm. So... Um, it, it does have sporadic winds that do come through, but uh, this was by far not the first boat to go through Lake Michigan at that time. It was an odd tragedy that came out yeah. of nowhere. Um, but yeah, he lost his wife and his son and he had stayed so he could work and then was going to join them the following day. Oh, so it, it just, it's very tragic. And there was yeah. 20 to 30 other people uh, wow. that were also brought up lake michigan is particularly it's not the deepest of the great lakes that goes mm -hmm. to superior but it's very cold so mm. um, i'm not surprised that the bodies were pretty much preserved they were able to get everyone so oh well that's good and then they were at the uh, dnm well railway department that's the morgue so wow lakes yeah. are crazy they're crazy scary. Like, you don't know what's in there, just like the ocean. <laughs> but the storm. Like when you're up there, I mean, it is so huge. Yeah. And then the storms can come up so quickly that you don't you don't have time to protect yourself or get out of harm's way. Um, wasn't it this, this winter that one of the lakes, the wind was so uh, prevalent that it was <laughs> like draining one of the shores? I can believe wow. that. I mean, there's always the famous photo of um, uh, St. Joe Lighthouse. That's mm -hmm. also along Lake Michigan. And it gets coated in ice. Yeah. Like all the frozen waves that you see. That's Lake mm -hmm. Michigan in the wintertime. Mm -hmm. Those are and, awesome. Uh, or uh, Ashtabula Lighthouse. In, yeah. That's in Lake Erie. And uh, I, Ironsides was built in Cleveland and I have family that's from Cleveland that were mm -hmm. shipbuilders at the time. Oh, so, wow. They could have worked yeah. on it. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, that's cool. So, um, but yeah, those are two stories. Um, and actually, there have been other reports of people hearing the ghostly child crying from the uh, area. That would freak me out, man. Yeah. I don't know why kids, dead kids are so creepy. Well, we it's it. sad because <laughs> well, yeah. it, we we don't expect children to die before, especially no, that young of tragic to. circumstances. Yeah. yeah. So I was going to say, does that kind of even fall in the cry baby bridge sort of pantheon? Hearing children cry, that seems like a very common and perhaps because it's a big fear. Yeah, it, it could be. Um, I wouldn't say it would be the crybaby bridge, but more of a calling ghost type yeah. phenomena, which is really close. They're really related where you hear a disembodied voice calling you to an area. Yeah. So. Kind of like a siren. 
Yeah. Little ghost boy siren. Yeah. That makes a new twist to the story. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's a very uh, mixture of the Greek mythology, mm -hmm. <laughs> the sirens, and the. Uh, but the, I mean, those are pretty significant bodies of water up there. Yeah, yeah. they are. Yeah. And uh, oh, the only thing I can think of is also in September is when the fish start dying and they wash huh? up on shore. Oh, and yeah. You always hear about those fish. big. Uh, die-offs there yeah is that the, what usually causes that is that like chemicals being dumped in or i think it's algae oh. if there's like oh, an algae bloom yeah it can send too many toxins into the water and kill fish oh. i know i this isn't a great lake but in florida they always worry about red algae blooms killing mm -hmm. off manatees yeah so if you have too many of that so well, you're not supposed to swim in that either yeah no yeah <laughs> But I enjoy Lake Michigan. It's yeah. um, I like going to the uh, we talked about it earlier, the National uh, Indiana Dunes National Lakeshore mm. or mm -hmm. National Park now. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a really cool place to go. And always... there's a ghost there, too. So there's lots of ghosts. You can do like a whole ghost hunting thing. Oh, yeah. Michigan is full of ghosts. Mm. Like I've been to haunted firehouses that are now pizza places and <laughs> they have a really neat history just there's a lot of like i said french fur trappers and mm. american mm. fur trappers and you also have a lot of potawatomi and other and ottawa uh tribes up there mm. and so you get a really diverse story that you don't necessarily get in the ohio river valley yeah mm -hmm. so I love it. They all have fun flavors of hauntings. Mm -hmm. well, I have fun flavors. Let's go to Cedar Point. I was just going to say, when I was in uh, school in upstate New York, I was right on Ontario, and I always loved to visit it. And my brother came to visit me when he was a kid. Oh. And we, I took him up there, and he was running in the waves. And it was like... It wasn't quite winter, but it wasn't quite spring yet, and it was yeah. freezing. He's like, I don't care. I'm going to get wet. <laughs> wow. Boys. I will say, every time I swam in Lake Erie, I got pink eye. Ew. Did you really? Oh, you poor thing. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever gone swimming. And I've gone swimming in the Ohio River. I've been in Lake Erie. And you didn't Ozarks. get pink eye? I did not, but I had my best friend at the time. She scratched herself on something and got like three big giant bubbles on her palm oh. from an infection. She had to go like she. Oh, I remember her no. having to soak her hand each day afterwards. But I never got. Um, I didn't get scratched while we were in there. I mean, it's supposedly not the safest place to swim, but you know, no. when you're a kid, was when you're a kid, you it was a new X Men. You know, it was the 80s. I mean, what yeah. can I say? You know, back then, kids swam in rivers. Yeah, they still, yeah. I still see kids in the summer yeah, swimming I mean, in the Ohio River. I'm like, it no. It wasn't no. the best choice. Yeah. No. There's better choices. Yes. Give me a pool of chlorine anytime. <laughs> a pool of yeah, I don't, I don't like swimming in the natural waters. I'll go in up to my thighs at the most, and that's it. But speaking of which, now Cedar Point's on the lake too, right? It's on Erie. Yes, it is. It's on Lake Erie, which yes, is, is, if you've ever been there and ridden the roller coasters and you can go up high and you can just see that you're surrounded by water, it's kind of cool. Yeah. And scary. That you've been there. I've only been once. 
And I've told this story before. The second time my family went, because I had family from Toledo. My cousins were up there. Um, I had to come down to Cincinnati to take an interest exam to get into Walnut Hills High School. Because we were moving from St. Louis to Cincinnati. And I had to miss out on the trip oh. and take a damn test. You sound kind of bitter about that, Jen. I was very mad. And you know what? <laughs> I uh, just filled in random bubbles. <gasps> so I guess you didn't get in or did you get in? No. I don't even know what I got because my mom got the letter and she yelled at me, you did this on purpose. I said, Mom, no, I didn't. I swear I tried. You did this on purpose. Oh, I my totally gosh. did. <laughs> I'm like, I am not moving to Cincinnati. <laughs> But Guess what? Stop. You moved to Cincinnati. 30 years later, yes. <laughs> so, so, rewind. When you didn't get into Walnut Hills, you stayed in St. Louis? Nope. Mm -mm. Sure did not. I just ended up at Wyoming. Oh, okay. Okay. Which is supposed to be even better. So Yeah, it was a good school. I'm kind of glad I ended up there instead of Walnut Hills. But I digress. Cedar Point. Cedar Point. Cedar Point. Okay, just a few historical facts to start. Um, it first opened in 1870 as a public bathing beach. Hmm. When bathing not, is that what that means? I never know. No, like back in the day, they always used bathing, but they also used it kind of as swimming. Like no so, one, I don't think, was bathing in the lake. Uh, they? It would be what we would consider swimming today. They would have the. Um, they wouldn't necessarily, it's not the swimsuits, it's those fun swimsuits that you see that uh, have like the trousers and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it was basically a good place to go summer because uh, it's not as okay. humid and there's a nice bright breeze yeah. in that area. So it, okay. it if you live in like, I don't know, anywhere around Indiana or upper northwest ohio it can get gross during the summer but that place is nice so okay. you would just go and bathe and look in at the people. sun in the water and have fun i like to think about people running around nude but that did not happen <laughs> that we know of that we know of true there's a lot of forests and stuff so <laughs> all right keep going okay, okay. We so a few things that were added between 1882 and 1884, not 1984. Um, a dance hall, eight bathhouses, um, a dock at By Miller's Cove. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, hopefully. Uh, the Grand Pavilion with bowling alleys, an auditorium, and dining facilities. And also a ladies' pavilion near the Grand Pavilion, which featured, quote unquote, refreshments suitable for ladies and children. Milk, I guess. Lemonade. <laughs> Lemonade and tea? Probably. Yeah. Did pop exist then? No. I don't know. Maybe No Coke. bourbon. That's what Bur they're trying to say. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, there's there's cigars and tugging of bourbon happening there. It's yeah. lemonade and tea and scones. I don't know. Oh, no, I want some lemonade. <laughs> um, the Brush Electric Dynamo Power Plant was installed in 1889. And the Switchback Railway, the park's first roller coaster, opens in 1892. It stood 25 feet tall and reached a top speed of 10 miles per hour. Woo! Uh, a diving platform, a pony track, water toboggan, water trapeze, 
bicycle boats and horizontal bars were added to the beach in 1894. This sounds like a really fun place. And all of this comes from the Cedar Point website. They have a timeline of the, um, of the park. And interesting fact, 19, in 1925, Helen Keller spoke at the annual convention of Lions International, which was hosted in the Parks Convention Center, which I thought was kind of cool. That is cool. So yeah. as a little aside, mm -hmm. I looked up a postcard from 1910 okay cedar point and this is from the ohio memory which is the historical society for the state uh -huh. and it is a postcard in color or it has been colorized of people bathing at cedar point uh -huh. and it's basically a bunch of women in their long dresses and uh -huh. their children in the long dresses with parasols staring at men in the water oh nice yeah, and the men are all in the swimming outfits that we described earlier. So that's what that was. Yeah. Okay, please continue. Uh, okay, um, I have thoughts. Uh, so now on to the hauntings. Uh, TGI Fridays in Hotel Breakers um, has faceless apparitions showing themselves to restaurant goers and pictures on the walls move of their own accord. Uh, in room 169 at Hotel Breakers. In the early 1900s, when the hotel was a beach resort, a woman named Mary hung herself in the shower in room 169. Guests of the room have reported the shower turning on and off by itself, sounds of crying, and electronic devices acting wonky. Room 169 is now used as employee housing and isn't a guest room anymore, so you couldn't go and stay and try to figure out things on your own. The poor staff that have to be in that room. I know. I know. Could you Again, the crying. I know. Um, the ballroom of Hotel Breakers, as all hotel ballrooms seem to be uh, haunted. The typical haunting music and ghostly dancers are reported to be seen and heard there. Uh, there's a balcony in the hotel. Uh, the story goes a couple made a suicide pact for unknown reasons. They jumped off the balcony together, and while the man fell to his death, the woman hung onto the railing or ledge and pulled herself back to safety. Female visitors often uh, feel something pulling them to the edge of the balcony in an attempt to pull them over the edge. I guess one can assume the ghost of the man is looking for an eternal companion. Yeah, because his partner was a cat. Yeah? No, it's just her reaction to like jumping over and then catching herself on the railing is cat-like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was my joke. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. I'll see myself out. Speaking of cats. <laughs> uh, hello, Miffy Miff. Um, so that was the balcony. And then C CJ Provisions on the front Frontier Trail have shadowy figures walking past um, the door before the park opens. A presence is also felt near the stand stand uh, by employees when they are there alone. Upscale restaurant Breakwater Cafe near the Sandcastle Suites is haunted by a boy who drowned in Lake Erie just beyond the patio of the cafe. Guests have seen him in and around the restaurant. And I think the most well-known story is the Frontier Carousel. Legend goes the ghost of the wife of the man who carved a military horse on the carousel can be seen riding the horse. The husband discovered the wife having an affair with a local jockey 
uh, and he shoots and kills them both. Some say the wife's remains are inside the carousel horse, and she returns. <laughs> she returns to ride the horse at midnight during each full moon. On such nights, when the park is open, riders of the carousel have said they have exited the ride with a horse bite on their leg, and they can feel the horses moving as they rode the ride. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry not, to interject here. No, we're not done. That, that. Yeah, that I know the story <laughs> first sounded sweet, and I was no. like, "Oh, that's really sweet." He carved it, and yeah. then it's like yeah. she had an affair, and then her bones are in the horse, and I'm like, "This mm -hmm. escalated quickly." Yeah, 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 and now it's haunted. again it murder. It's always murder. about murder. Murder, foul. Uh oh, where Christina go? What? I disappeared. Yeah. Okay. Can you hear me? I see yeah. you. Maybe it's my connection. It could be my connection. I didn't okay. disappear to you, did I, Kat? I didn't see you disappear. No one disappeared from my side. Okay. Okay. Speaking of hauntings, I'm not yeah, really, really here. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best haunting evidence ever. <laughs> um... DVPs. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's um, it's <laughs> employees have also reported seeing the carousel run backwards, hearing the music playing at night, and arranging and I'm sorry, I cannot type anymore. And arriving in the morning to find the horses in different positions from the night before. Whether that means like one horse was on the left side and then it ended up on the right side, I don't know, or if the carousel was just turning. I think it was. Yeah, just that, that's interesting because yeah. in my head, I think that the literal horses are all rearranged. In yeah, that's what I thought too. And I'm like, that's some poltergeist activity. I know. Was that, that would not be really camera? cool? Yeah, <laughs> that would be really cool. Um, that's like that. That's like something wicked. This way comes level. Yeah. Uh, two horses in particular have been linked to the hauntings of the carousel. One um, with the image of a jockey carved into the saddle and a black horse, black, <laughs> a black horse with bones carved into its mane. The original carousel is no longer in the park. It was moved to Dorney Park in Pennsylvania in 1995. But the black military horse remains at Cedar Point, and this is the one that the the murdered wife sits on. Um, it's in the Cedar Point Frontier Museum on display there. It has also been said that guests have trouble taking photos of the horse. And another rumor is that the carousel came from Michigan and that Al Capone tortured people on the carousel and dumped their bodies into the lake. Wow. Wow, that's just like yeah. sudden end with mob. Yep, so murder. <laughs> Yeah, mob murder. Mom's so, murder. is it the horse with the bones and the mane that's the one that's haunted? Yes. Okay, I, I'm just making sure. I, I was like, they if didn't I really... picked a horse on a carousel to ride, it they would be a one. black horse with bones in the mane. Yeah, and there was also something I read that one of the circles the horses went up and down, and like the inner circle or the outer, and then. The, one of them didn't go up and down. So the horses that didn't go up and down are the ones they felt moving. Because, I mean, you would think, of course, they're, they go up and down. It's a carousel. <laughs> of course they're going right. to move. So the but, stationary ones were feeling like they were running. Yeah. Well, or mo moving in some way. Yeah. 
Um, and and I, again, I'm go ahead. No, I was going to say, for those who want to see the pictures of the uh, haunted Muller's carousel horse, uh, our friend James Willis of Ghosts of Ohio has photos on his website. Oh, cool. You just I think Google Muller's carousel horse. I think we just need to go to Cedar Point. I've never gotten yeah. to ride the coasters there. I'm down. I've never Let's been there either. Oh, well, damn it, Camp. Why'd you have to move to Seattle? Right. Too bad we didn't. We wouldn't have time after Loveland. We could go then, the festival. Yeah, no. That's yeah. kind of a far drive. Though. It's and I bit. don't know if it'd we'll be just open. pop up. Yeah, well, that's true. Too. Oh no, it's not. It, you're right. It's not open. <laughs> um, I cold. forgot to mention my sources, as I always do. <laughs> Should I read them now? Yes. Okay. The sources for my story were exemplar.com. Uh, OhioExploration.com, PointBuzz.com, TheShadowLands.net, and TourThePoint, I cannot talk, TourThePoint.com, and Cedar Point's website. Ah. Yes. Ah, oh, TheShadowLands.net, that brings back memories. <laughs> well, you know, and they all kind of said the same thing in the first article I found, which was the, the exemplar one, it pretty much cited everything so yeah 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 but that's a that's a lot of ghost stories for uh a park yes well it has a really old history like coney yeah. island has a lot of ghost stories yeah and i think we will cover it closer to later this year but um i know johnson's island is near cedar point and that mm -hmm. is a old union uh prisoner of war camp Ah. And uh, it has a lot of ghost stories as well. So yeah, that will be. Bad things happen there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Indeed, they did. Lots of people died of dysentery. They didn't make it did to we Washington. Did we talk about that one? We talked about. We talked about the Gray Lady of Greenlawn Cemetery. Yes. Uh, in, in Columbus, Ohio, but not of Johnson's Island. Where she took care of the. Um the confederate soldiers and people didn't yeah. like her for that yeah. yeah yeah well i mean cedar point can't boast a cemetery on their grounds well, no. <laughs> that is true well i like now because before you never knew where it was and then they redid the entrance and you drive by it now yeah, yeah it's very super obvious it. yeah actually now you can't stop and look at it anymore you that's park your car and walk over true but then you'd be going if you go during the summer you're right in traffic mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i think they kind of did that on purpose to keep people from going there probably but you could do it on your way out true mm -hmm. true 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 because there's yeah. more than one exit that is true that's <laughs> only one entrance <laughs> or you could go to great wolf lodge and walk over or you could do that yes you could yeah yeah one of these days yeah, i'll get over there yeah, that's Dog Street Cemetery for anybody who is curious. We did an episode on it mm -hmm. a long time ago. It wasn't well. We we did we yeah we did. Uh, but then also, Wolf Lodge is where the last Frogman Festival was. Yes, it was. So we yes. were yes. within a stone's throw of the cemetery. Yeah, yep. and it's a tiny one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not a very, very big. big. It's the, mm -mm. Yeah. Um, it's an old family cemetery for the people who had farms there that Kings Island is named after. 
Yeah. So and I think yeah. it is cool that they kept it. All that is years. good. I'm surprised yeah. they've never. I mean, even with the redoing of the entrance, I mean, they were careful to leave yeah, it alone. Maybe yeah. there's something in the contract or something that that could be. be. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. I mean, because usually oh. there's not a huge reason to. I mean, that's why we have Spring Grove. They got they consolidated. Yeah. Yeah. So, Christina, do we have any? No, we're saving up some for next week. We're okay. Saving some for next week. That makes sense. Yes. So, so I'm excited week. for next week. I know I have ghost stories. Jen, you have ghost stories or stories from visiting, don't you? Um, I've just been once and I mean, I've mentioned them on here before. I did do the ghost tour. Um, the first time I ever sang karaoke was there. Oh, never again. Well, we could go more in depth about that next week <laughs> for our 100th episode. Woo! Wear we your tiaras. Yeah, or your cowboy hats, or your cowboy hats, or your witches hats. I mean, or, or witches your witches hats. hats. Yeah, wear a fun yeah. hat. Yes. yes, it's fun hat day. It fun, is fun hat day. and Bobby yeah. Mackey's day. I've driven past there. Like sometimes ways will drive me past there when traffic's really weird. Oh, really? Actually, isn't part? Of, uh, we could talk about that. I thought part of it was closed down for renovations or something. It is. It is right. It now. is right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah, it is. It's uh, closed down until further notice, I think. Was that what it was? Or are they moving to another place? It was place something temporarily? like that. I, I mean, I can't remember. Uh, there was an article, but we'll have that next week. Yeah. We will. Yes, we'll we know. will. All will be revealed. Yes. <laughs> so until then, you we'll can write. Haunts. <laughs> yes, we'll have haunts and we'll have ghost stories. And I'm I'm trying to get an alien story submitted. We're seeing a UFO. Um, so yeah, lots of stuff. So for now, you want if you want to keep up with us, you can go to Instagram at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities. You will see Natty Skull as our logo there. You can also join us at the Hometown Hometown Haunts Facebook group. And uh, we like to share stories there as well. And you can email us at uh Hometown haunted mail at gmail.com to share your own personal ghost stories, creepy cryptid stories, and urban legends from your neck of the woods. So, for Christina, Jen, and myself, good night and stay spooky. Bye bye. Bye bye.